During the fourth watch, would you open your Bibles with me to Matthew 14, Matthew chapter 14. I'd like to have us look at the passage together. And if you know this particular area in Matthew, looking at this particular part, this part is portrays on leaving on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, where John and I had the privilege of going and riding a boat out across that water, didn't we, John? And it was a thrilling experience. Well, this particular place that this all took place is where the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children after that uh, happened in John chapter 14. It follow verse 13 and following. But if you're familiar with the story, it helps you recognize the setting in which this will go. So these stories were both repeated in both Matthew and in John's Gospels. And they tell this story, and it's important for us to follow this morning because I think sometimes we miss what is so crucial about that. So if you found your place in Matthew 14, would you pick up the story with me as we go on into verse 22. Verse 22, we following the feeding of the 5,000. So immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This is interesting because this is the first record we have of Jesus giving direct authority, telling the disciples what they should do. We don't find that any place earlier in his ministry. This seems to be the very first time we see that. Now this may be significant. Because did they resent that? Did they resent Jesus then having authority to tell them, get in their boat and get out and move out onto the lake? Now, these are experienced fishermen. And these are people who know the lake and know the boats and know everything. And Jesus is there telling them, get out. Well, let's keep that in our mind as we go ahead with the story. Verse 23, and after he had dismissed them, he means the crowd, and the disciples, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night there, he was alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted, notice, buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against it. There is a place where you're on, as you are on Lake Galilee, up at the north-northeastern corner that creates a kind of a valley where the winds would come down very quickly and go across the lake. We did not experience the winds when we were there. The first time I was out there, I did. We had a storm. Out, we were out on the Lake Galilee, and it was a wonderful experience to be out there. But I'm glad I wasn't in a little fishing boat out there when the storm came. So it came, but the wind had pushed, pushed them out farther and going. And we, as we look at them, realize that was about three miles. They got pushed away from the shore. Three, they talked about the far lungs. As they went and got about three miles, that wind, and they pushed them away from the shore. Now, you have to understand, this was not some foolish adventure that these folks were doing. They had not gone out on their own choice. If they had known the wind was coming up and so forth, remember, they're not going out and doing any fishing. Jesus said, don't go out and fish. He didn't tell them to that. He said, get in the boat, push off from the shore. He dismissed the crowd. He went up to the mountain to pray. It must have been kind of an odd thing. Now, it's interesting as we look at the story that Matthew includes this part in the story that is to follow. He wanted us to make sure we had this part in our minds. For really, in reality, these folks were simply obeying the command of Christ. He told them to get in the boat, to push off, they went. 
Well, the reality is, storms often come into the lives of the believers. I remember the song came out, I never promised you a rose garden. Remember that song came out a few years ago? Never promised you a rose garden. Storms come in life. Challenges come, sometimes of our, of our making, sometimes not. Certainly, the earthquake in California last night, which caused fires. People had to get out of their homes. Some of them had to get away from their homes because it was too rickety to stay in anymore. So those challenges and those things, those storms come to life, not of their making. I would like to suggest to you that this is a significant part of the story that follows. We often miss this part. We often, because what's coming is so, so big and so huge, and, and we latch onto it. But this is an important part of the story. That they had been sent by Christ to go out onto the lake. They were commanded, the winds pushed them away. They were out in a storm on Lake Galilee. They had been out there. They had accepted and done what Christ had asked them to do. And as a result of following Christ's command, they were out in the lake fighting the wind. Now, the Bible says that shortly before dawn, Jesus made what you see, in the fourth watch of the night. That's where I got that. In the fourth watch. It was right before dawn that Jesus gets up Jesus before dawn, and he is going out because the Jews divided the night into four parts, three-hour sections. So the first, second, third, fourth watch. Fourth watch, people know, it's at the end, coming right before dawn. So that's how we think. That's where they would say, well, it's during the fourth watch, or just before dawn. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now we go, now that's the story we say. Oh, that's the story he was out walking on the water. And it truly was, walking on the water. Now I've walked out on water before. I don't know if you have, but it was frozen solid. So I could have some type of support. I mean, I, I don't think, and uh, I've been out water skiing. But that's not what happened here. Jesus wasn't water skiing across to them. He was simply walking across on the water. And when the disciples, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost, because remember, it's, it's just before dawn. They see this figure coming to them, and they, said, they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. That would be shocking to them, wouldn't it? And Peter this is the part that we always lock onto. I remember this as a child hearing this story, and, and Peter said, Lord, if it is you, he replied, tell me to come out on the water. Tell me to come out and walk on the water with you. If it really is you. And Jesus said, come. Come. Now, I can always imagine him putting his leg over on and Putting a stepping out of the boat and saying, am I going to sink or not? And when he found that he could walk on it solid, he starts walking to him. Peter got out of the boat, the Bible says, and walked on the water towards Jesus. He's walked on the water. And he's making his way. 
Can you imagine the, the joy and the smile on his face as he's making his way? However, the Bible says, but when he saw the wind and was afraid and he was beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I followed this story for many years, this particular part. Not the first part, the second part. I followed it, and so I've heard people say, and some people would surmise to me, yeah, well, he looked back to see if the other disciples were watching. So some of a sudden, he looked back, so he was looking back at them, and he was walking, kind of a thing of pride. Hey, look at where I am. You know? Some have suggested that. Others have suggested from this passage that it was because he took his eyes off of Jesus, that that was the reason he was sinking down into the water. But the scriptures say to us in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. So we would, might say, well, he lost faith or something. He, he lost faith. Remember, faith is the same word in Greek for the word to believe or to trust. Faith, you could almost always take the word faith in scripture and put in the word trust. That would be a more modern whosoever trusteth in men type of thing. So trust. And so he let his fear of the wind and the waves overturn his trust or his faith in Jesus. The wind came. He's out. He's an experienced fisherman. He's out there on the water. He knows what this is like. He has experienced the waves before. He's been battling this all night. And so he takes his eye off and says, what am I doing out here? And what happens is he, he begins to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. Important part. Immediately reached out, picked him up, caught him. That experience of, of being caught and picked up that part of the story is significant to the whole thing. He was picked up. Now, this is the most well-known part of the story, isn't it? We, I remember as a child sitting on my dad's knee and having him tell me this story. And I've heard this sermon lots of times. And I've heard it told over and over again. And the story of this where Peter was rescued at this. And Jesus went on to say, immediately caught him. And he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I can think of a lot of reasons, <laughs> can't you? I mean, seriously, why did you doubt? Well, I'm walking on water, and it's not frozen, and the wind is blowing, and this is not normal. And my experience is, as soon as you walk out there, you sink, and I started to sink, and I became afraid. I can think of lots of reasons why I would doubt. So I got to give Peter a little bit of a pass, don't you? I, you know, he, he did a very human reaction. And when they were climbing into the boat, the wind died down. Later on, we have where another story where Jesus was sleeping in the boat, remember? Sleeping in the boat. And, and they were like, why this man? How can, how can this happen? Now, I want you to come back to that question I asked. Did they resent Jesus telling them to get into the boat? Did they resent that? 
Was there some kind of a feeling? Why is that part included in the story? Why didn't they just say, well, we went out onto the lake, or, or we were out on the lake and Jesus came? Why would, why would Matthew, and why would he put that little part in? And it's made me wonder, maybe there's more to this than just Peter stepping out and being picked up. Maybe there's something more in the disciples' mind as they are out on there. Perhaps, perhaps there is, yeah, so there, there may be a broader lesson here. Something better to happen. Well, I was reading in the SCA Bible commentary and it said, the tempest had accomplished its purpose. Thoughts of impatience and resentment toward Jesus had been driven out of the hearts of the disciples. So evidently others had picked up the concept that they had some resentment towards him, that they were concerned about him, that they did have things. What, who are you to tell us to go out onto the lake? And it's in a storm. Why did you have us do that? wiser thing would have been for us to stay on the shoreline we could have gone up with you to pray verse 33 and then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying truly you are the son of god and worshiped him so there was something happening with this sequence in the story that produced this result. Now, there are ten parts to this story. We're going to go through them really quickly. Ten parts to the story. First one is, Jesus told the disciples to get in the boat. They obeyed him. And the reason we wonder if they resented it, but they obeyed, did what he did, told them to do. Second thing is, Jesus went alone up to pray. He went up into the mountain to pray. Three, the wind told the disciples, I mean, uh, excuse me, the wind blew against them, pushing them away from the shore. You think about, about three miles. And John, you know how far that is. When that, that lake is only about eight miles wide. Jesus, for number four, walks on the water to join them. That incredible experience. And then they were afraid when they saw him, but Jesus assured them who he was. Okay, follow that part. Then Peter asked John, uh, Peter asked Jesus, Peter walks out onto the water. Peter fears the wind, and it starts to sink. He goes down. And then Peter learns, um, Peter fears the wind and starts to sink. So Jesus rescues Peter and asks him why he had little faith. Number nine, the wind dies down when Jesus enters the boat. And ten, they worshipped him. You are the Son of God. Those are the elementary parts of that story. But you should know, this story has a history in the early church. It has a history. This particular passage, that, that particular passage that we started with when he told them to get into the boat, all the way through to the end where they proclaimed him to be the Son of of God. They worshiped him. That sequence of story has an important significant history in the early church because it was read and reread many times. That story beginning they saw from the ascension of Jesus turned into a series of persecutions and 
condemnations that the Christians went through in the early church. The early church period is from the time of Christ's ascension up until about 600 AD. That's called the time of the early church. Not the apostolic church, not when the apostles were there, but, but the early church concept. And this was important because they had beginning right away with the stoning of Stephen, 34 AD. But then there was a persecution that went on for hundreds of years, sometimes more intense than others. Sometimes there would be 10 years of real living, while others, they lived relatively in peace. But this story, this story was repeated to them and held close to them because it was during this particular time that this story had great courage to Christians in time of persecution. They held this story as an important part, that whole story that we looked at, that whole part. Why would that be true? Why would that be the case, that they would hold that story so important? Well, the reason was that they believed that Christ, in obeying Christ, that they would face the storms in life. That in obedience to Christ, they would face the storms of life. You see, when they went out and they obeyed Christ, they faced the storm of the wind. When they obeyed Christ, when John, um, excuse me, when um, uh, Peter and others and the apostles faced the duty to follow Christ, later on they suffered for that. So did the martyrs. When they, when they faced that, they said, we're facing the storms of life. We're obeying Christ, and as a result, we're reaping what happens in life. And then they believed in the power of Christ to even walk on water. That Jesus had the power to walk on water. Therefore, Christ is in control of everything. If he can control walking on water, if we can see that, then what we are in is nothing. They believed in the power of Christ to save, you see. Because he reached down and he picked up Peter. When, Christ, when he yelled out, Lord, save me, he picked him up. He pulled him up out of the water and saved him. And they believed in the trusting in God, no matter what happened. No matter what happened. Well, the critics would say, well, yeah, but the martyrs died. You know, the martyrs died. They did. They did. But because of this story, and this particular passage, this history of this passage, they saw that Christ saved them in death. Not from death, but saved them in death. Which was why this was so powerful to them. That even though they gave up their life, they know they're giving up their life, that Christ would save them and take them, and they would be with him forever. They believed and trusted in Christ. And that gave them the ability, this story and what was happening to them, they would share with one another. They would remember the story. They would repeat it to each other. Remember to stand in courage because God will save us in the end. Even though we give up our life here, we will be saved in the end. Doesn't that change the story a little bit? When you see the, the broader thing. So, so they saw the resentment of the disciples 
in this story. They saw the resentment. Ah, you're sending us out. You're making us go do this. Storms of life. But it became of great courage to them. Great courage. Goes on to say, now when, when they had crossed, when the disciples had crossed over to the land, to the Gennesaret, and when, they, uh, and when the men from the place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him. And they begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. What an experience. And as those persecuted martyrs, as those men and women who want this experience, realize I just need to touch the cloak, Christ, Christ will heal me. He will take care of me. I don't know what storms you may be going through. We all face them, don't we? We all at times have great storms that come our way. Loss of a loved one. Sometimes it has to deal with other, other issues that face us. But this story in Matthew 14 and, and also in John, we see the, the miracle of the feeding of Jesus, taking care of them, of multiplying, taking the needs of the thousands that were there. He fed them and took care of them. And then right after that, the story of him walking on the water to Jesus sends a message to all of us, sends all a message that no matter what the storm of life may be, he is able. Didn't we just sing about that? He's able, he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. And that was what the martyrs held on to. They knew Christ was able. That's what I'd like for you to take home in your heart today is that the understanding of the story goes beyond just rescuing Peter, of questioning his faith. It goes on to share to us, our God is able to take care of the problems of life and the storms of life, no matter how they flow and what difficulties, we can look ahead because our God is able. Dear Lord, I thank you for the story, and I thank you for the broader meeting, and I thank you that you laid this out to us with Matthew and John, that we could see more clearly this, this incredible story. Oh, we focus on Peter, yes, and being rescued, but the, the broader verses there share with us. No wonder the, those who were persecuted, the martyrs who went before us, those in the early church, took this as a passage of great courage to them, for them to hang on through the trials and the tribulations and the facing of death, not only to be burned at the stake, but to be beheaded and all the things, the terrible things that happened to them. They held on because they know even in death you would save them. You are able, Lord. We worship you today because you are able. You are able then and you are able now. In Jesus' precious name, amen.